0: Hi, I'm Dr. Ted Spear, pastor of the Fundamental Baptist Church International in Boshein Kumasi. On last week's program, I answered some questions about salvation. This week is part two of my answering those questions. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the second edition of our
1: interview with the head pastor of Fundamental Baptist Church, Pastor Ted Spear. And once again, we are joined here with him and I would like to welcome him. Good morning, Pastor.
0: Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be back. It's good to
1: have you, too. And also, just in case you know, he's going to help us answer questions that most viewers have asked, and I myself have asked, concerning the subject of salvation and the idea of one safe, always saved. And as usual, I have with me Brother Louis Genfi, and he's going to help me or assist me in this program. Welcome, Brother Louis. Thank you, Brother Stephen. It's great to be here again. It's good to have you, too. All right, you're going to dive into the questions, but Brother Lewis have a question or a follow-up question based upon where we left off from last week. So I'm going to uh, leave it up to Brother Lewis.
2: Thank you, Brother Stephen. Now, Pastor, last week, well, a question was brought to my attention after we finished with um, Matthew 7, where Jesus said he will tell some people that he never knew them. In- Verse 21, Jesus says that not everyone that says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but they that do the will of the Father. So, the question I'm asking is, what does it mean to do the will of the Father?
0: Well, I think when we look at Scripture, we have to look at Scripture with the viewpoint that the bible is one complete work and that it doesn't contradict itself and when we study the pauline epistles especially romans chapter 3 and 4 especially galatians chapter 3 especially we clearly see that the bible makes it clear that we're saved by grace and not by works and when we look at the scripture we have to make the scriptures we have to compare scripture to scripture to see what God is saying. So when he talks about the will of the Father, well, what is the will of the Father? Well, the Bible gives us a very specific answer to that question in John chapter 6. So if we look in John chapter 6 and in verse number 29, the Bible says this, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So the will of the Father is to believe on his Son. Mm. And the Bible clearly tells us in John chapter three and verse 18, it says to us, "He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So the will of the Father is to believe on his Son. He sent his Son into the world to die for our sins. When we reject that for salvation and we trust in our works, that's not the will of the Father. Mm. So these people in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 22, and 23, when Jesus said, or when the Scriptures say there, Do the will of the Father, he that doeth the will of the Father, their response was, Well, have we not done many wonderful works? Have we not prophesied in that name? Have we not, in other words, they're saying, We have done that. And he says, Depart from me because you haven't done it. You've worked iniquity because you trusted in your own works instead of doing the will of the Father, which is to believe in his Son. But that would be my answer to, mm. to that particular question. It's a good question, very good question. It's wonderful,
1: wonderful. You. Uh, do you have a follow-up question based on that?
2: Uh, not a follow-up question, but a different question. Okay. All right. In um. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible tells us the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the question is, Unrighteous people not going to heaven.
0: Okay, I think you're referring to First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Yeah. Okay, it says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived; neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God." So people read verses 9 and 10 here, and they say, Oh, if you are guilty of these things, you won't go to heaven. Mm. The problem with that is you can't just pick the Bible and read these two verses. You have to look at what it says before Mm. and what it says afterwards. And here, notice that it's a question. Mm -hmm. Know ye not? So, So... Paul is speaking to someone and says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to the church of Corinth. And if we go back and look in verse number one of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter six, it says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And he continues to talk to them and in verse 5 he says i speak to your shame so and in verse 6 he says but brother go up to law with brother and that before the unbelievers and in verse 7 he says now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another why do you not rather take wrong why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded then he says this in verse 8 nay Ye do wrong, and defraud, and that your brethren. So Paul is talking to believers, and he's saying to these believers, Listen, you have problems with each other. And what you're doing is, you're going to court, and you're taking your problems between Christian brethren to the unbeliever." Because the people who were running the court system at that time, the people who were in charge of the law, of the land, they were not believers. They were non-believers. And he's saying, you're going to non-believers to get them to settle your disputes, disputes among you. And he says, you're wrong for doing that. He said, you'd be better off finding a Christian brother to settle your disputes. And he said, to take your problems with each other to the unbeliever, it's wrong. He said you, sh- you would be better off just defrauding yourself than to go before the unbeliever and show that believers can't get along with one another, mm. that believers are sinning against one another. And if we look at the first five chapters of Corinthians, Paul has described these people as being divisive, one was claiming i'm of paul another said i'm of christ and another said i'm of apollos another said i'm of peter and he's saying listen stop all this division he rebuked them because someone among them had committed fornication with i believe his mother-in-law and so these people he described them as both carnal and babes in Christ. Mm, So what we can draw from the book of 1 Corinthians is you can be born again, but yet be a babe in Christ and to be walking according to the flesh and be carnal in your actions. Mm, So carnal in your actions that you're taking your disputes with one another to the unbeliever and arguing before the unbeliever. And he's rebuking them for this. And then he says to them in verse 9 and 10, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Why are you going to the unrighteous to settle your problems? Don't you know that they won't inherit the kingdom? And then he says in verse 11, and here's the real key to understanding this portion of Scripture. He says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Mm. So what's he saying? Now again, he described them as being divisive, as being carnal, as taking their problems before the unbeliever, as doing wrong toward one another. So he's not describing them as living a lifestyle free from sin. Correct? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't liken them to the unrighteous that he refers to in verse 9 and 10 because they have been what? Washed. Washed. Sanctified. They've been justified. They've been made clean. So in other words, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we trust Him as our Savior, God washes us. He makes us clean in His sight. And He no longer considers us unrighteous concerning whether we're going to go to heaven or hell. We are considered righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. So contextually, to answer your question, I believe you asked the question, can the, I believe you asked, can the unrighteous go to heaven? No, unrighteous can't go to heaven. Those who do things that are unrighteous can go to heaven because they're made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I would not be viewed entering heaven as unrighteous because i would be viewed as having all my sin washed away by the blood of jesus christ so i'm considered righteous and can go to heaven because i've been washed i've been sanctified i've been justified unlike the unbeliever who god considers to be unrighteous in every way it's a good question it's a it's verses that people often ask about and um I think that just about answers it. Thank you. Great.
1: I hope you are enjoying this program. But make sure if you want to, if you have any question, if you want to follow up, you can contact us on our social media. You can visit our YouTube page, Fundamental Hour, and we'll be glad to assist you in any shape or form. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. Thank you for staying with us. Back to the questions. So pastor, uh, reading my Bible, especially in Ephesians chapter two, talk about the fact that we are saved by grace through faith and it's not of ourselves. So the question I have for you is, if you are saved by grace through faith,
0: what is the purpose of the law? It's a great question, Stephen. Um, it's a question I think any thinking Christian would ask of himself um, if w- why did God give the law if the law has nothing to do with being born again? Mm. The Bible actually specifically answers that question for us mm. in the book of Galatians and in the book of Romans. So in Galatians chapter number 3 The Bible says this in verse number 11. It says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Hmm. So the Bible clearly contrasts two things here it contrasts law, keeping the law, and faith. And it says that no man's justified in God's sight, Mm. by keeping the law. Mm. That's clearly evident. Why? Because when you look into the law at what God has said to do and not do, any honest person would have to admit that they are guilty. Mm. And it says the just shall live by faith. So we're justified by faith. Now if we go down to verse 19, in between verse 11 and 19, God talks a lot about Abraham. And he talks about how he had promised to Abraham that he would make of him a great nation and that in him all nations of the earth would be blessed. And that was known as this great Abrahamic covenant covenant. And a great promise that God had made to Abraham. And what the scriptures tell us here is Abraham and the promise God made to Abraham was years mm. before the law came. And that promise was not made according to the law, it was made according to God's promise mm. through the seed of Abraham, which would be the seed of Christ. So it was through Christ that this promise was to come. And the Bible tells us here in Galatians that the law could not disannul or it could not make the promise go away. Mm-hmm. And then we get to verse 19 and the question is asked, the same question that you asked. Mm-hmm. So it's if the uh, question is asked, okay, so you're telling us that it's evident we're not saved by keeping the law. Mm-hmm. And you're telling us that Abraham received the promise according to faith not the law and so the question comes in verse 19 wherefore then serveth the law so why should we serve the law so it asks this very same question that you ask and the answer is this it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made that seed is Christ and it was ordained by, the hand, by angels in the hand of a mediator. Then, you know, if you look in verse 21, it says, is the law then against the promises of God? Okay, so is the law and God's promise is grace and law, is it, are they at odds with one another? And the answer is no, God forbid. And he says, for if there had been a law, given which could have given life verily righteousness should have been by the law Mm. so if a law if obeying a law could have given us righteousness or could have justified us in the sight of God then that's the way we should have received righteousness Mm. but it's not how we receive righteousness then we go down to verse three I mean I'm sorry verse 24 it says this wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. So the law served the purpose of a schoolmaster or like a, a teacher, okay? The law was to teach us something. And what the law was to teach us, that we need Christ. Mm-hmm. Now we see this same idea in the book of Romans. If we go to Romans chapter number 3, and Romans chapter 3 and 4 are the most definitive uh, scripture that teach us that we're saved by faith and not by works. And if we look in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, it says this. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Mm. So, the purpose of the law was to reveal to us as men that we're guilty Mm. and that we would close our mouths, Mm. that we would stop professing our goodness, that we would lay a hand to our saying we're righteous. You know, as I go out and witness to people in the community, I ask people, why are you going to go to heaven? They tell me all the time, I obey the law, I obey the commandments, I'm righteous. And all it takes is to share some of those laws with them and they have to admit that they're not righteous, that they haven't obeyed the law, okay? And that's the purpose of the law, is to get us to see ourselves in need of a Savior who is Christ and so verse 20 says this therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin right. so God again he tells us like he said in Galatians mm-hmm. it's evident that no man is justified by keeping the law yeah. and here again he says no flesh shall be justified in his sight For it is by the law that we become aware of sin, that we know we have sinned. You know, I'll give you this illustration. If you were to go out and someone said, uh, you just broke the law, you're like, I didn't break the law. Talking about the law of Ghana. And then they say, yeah, there's a law that you can't do this. And they point out to you that there's a law telling you that you couldn't do something you were doing. And you say, oh, well, I didn't know that was a law. I I wasn't aware. But now I'm aware, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of the law, is to make us aware that we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. So Mm -hmm. if we keep reading in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Mm. For there is no difference. Mm. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So this righteousness here that it talks about in verse 21-22 is the righteousness of God that comes to us without the law. Mm. And it comes upon and unto all them that believe. Because there's no no difference in all of us because we've all sinned. We all have to lay a hand to our mouth, Mm. admit we're guilty, admit that it's evident we can't be saved by the law, and see Christ as our Savior. So what was the purpose of the law? It was to remind us of a coming Savior, Mm. and it was to make us aware that we need that Savior.
1: Mm. Thank you, Pastor, for the great insight. It's been a blessing, and I hope you're enjoying it too, right? Great, great, Thank great. You, All right, Thank let you. me go straight to the next question. Uh, Pastor, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23, and I read, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Many people read into this verse and then say, if, like, You need to hold on to the faith, the idea of being saved. Like, what's your take on this verse?
0: Sure, notice what the verse says. It says, let us hold fast, fast, what? The profession of our faith. The profession of our faith, faith. okay? We have a job as believers to share our faith with others. Mm. The profession of our faith. We have a job not to just believe on Christ, but to preach Christ. Mm. And we have to cling to that faith. We have to hold fast to our belief in Christ and professing our faith in Christ. Mm. Why? Because he that promised is faithful. Mm. So if God is faithful to us, we ought to be faithful to him. Mm. That's what that verse is saying. It's not insinuating that God's going to stop being faithful. It actually assures us Mm. that the one who's promised us is faithful, therefore we should mimic his character and do the same and be faithful to profess him to others. So hold fast to the profession of your faith because we owe it to our Savior because he is faithful to us. That's what that is teaching and that's that's the idea behind that verse. Wow,
1: wow, wow. Such a wonderful explanation. Thank you very much for uh, helping us to explain this verse to us. Thank you for being part of this program. I hope it's been a blessing to you, but this is where we draw the curtains on today's show. Hope to see you next time. Thank you very much.